Hey, it's a great podcast today, uh, even though there is a fact checker that shows up right at the beginning. We talk about fact check and what's really happening in the media and how you can really come to understand it. Spent a lot of time on our COVID special that's happening tonight. You don't want to miss a live two hour special. You will understand COVID unlike anyone has explained it to you. Unlike any of the facts that you have heard, this is all hard facts on the story of COVID that I think will blow your mind. We talked about that on today's podcast. We also had uh, Jedediah uh, Bila. She was on The View, right? A couple of days ago or yesterday. They hammered her because she's a COVID denier. No, she's not. No, she's not. She has her facts down. And the president of Goya and some unbelievable stats on how much inflation is actually costing you. All on today's podcast. Don't forget you can sign up to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code right now is Fauci Lied. You get 25 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV and you can get the access to the full two-hour special plus the mm-hmm. additional bonus hour afterward. With Steve Dace. With Steve Dace and uh, some great guests as well mm-hmm. talking about what they just witnessed. It's yeah. a lot, big night coming it's up really on Blaze good. TV. It's worth missing your wedding for. Mean it. She's not that great, honestly. This special is. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, I don't know about you, but every time I see a story, I immediately want to run and get a fact check. I mean, they are so good, aren't they? These fact check, I'm sorry, fact check are so accurate and it allows me to be able to read the things in the media. And then I go, come on, that can't be true. Joe Biden doesn't look a day over 40. Fact check. He's actually 56. And then you're like, oh, okay. All right, stop calling him old. 56 isn't old. And I got that information from fact check. Okay, so uh, fact check is now claiming that Rittenhouse's possession of a weapon wasn't legal. Now, they've already done that. um, But PolitiFact got its fact check again on the possession of a weapon. Of course, he, he carried that thing across state lines. Fact check. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. He got it from his father there in Kenosha. Okay. Uh, now, the, the, uh, the judge has said in the murder trial that it's not illegal for a 17-year-old to have a long rifle. Fact check. <laughs> if he's going hunting. That's what fact check said. If he's going hunting. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, PolitiFact, fact, fact check, has asserted, <laughs> has asserted uh, that carrying a rifle across state lines is perfectly legal. This is the ch- challenge to them. Uh, based on the laws that I can find in this area, at 17 years old, Kyle was perfectly legal to possess that rifle without parental supervision. Is that true? State law suggests it's not now, the, the fact check said, 
that uh, it's you, the Wisconsin Department of Justice honors concealed carry permits issued in Illinois, but Rittenhouse didn't have a permit to begin with, and he is not legally old enough to carry a firearm in Wisconsin. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The law says, we know what the law says. Children ages 16 and 17 are allowed to carry a shotgun or a long rifle to hunt. But it doesn't apply to Rittenhouse because he wasn't in Kenosha to hunt. I thought the whole premise of their of the case against them or was, he? was he was, yeah, he was there, there to, to hunt. There's no, there's no legal mention exception for short-barreled guns. Well, he didn't have a short-barreled gun. Okay? Now... The judge recently dismissed a misdemeanor charge possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 against Kyle Rittenhouse. Readers asked us if this made fact check invalid. We don't think so, and here's why. Wisconsin law says any person under 18 of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a class A misdemeanor. In our fact check! We cite the possibility of an exception for rifles and shotguns. The exception is aimed at letting children ages 16 to 17 hunt. But as it is also clear, Rittenhouse wasn't in Kenosha to hunt. <laughs> Why? Why is the fact checker so? Is that just authoritative? Because I'm a fact checker. Voice of God. I am a fact checker. Don't. What do you? I'm just trying. Don't to... question. Fact check. Stu sucks. Fact check. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Okay. Now, so here's the thing. They, they go on. Uh, the ruling does appear at odds with the intent of the legislators. In 2018, the Wisconsin Legislative Council staff, a nonpartisan legislative service agency akin to the Congressional Research Service, wrote, Under Wisconsin law, with certain exceptions for hunting, military service, and target practice, a person under the age of 18 is generally, per generally prohibited from possessing or going armed with a firearm. Fact check. These subsequent events show the gray areas of local gun laws. Hardly a case of something being perfectly legal. Fact check remains unchanged. Wow. <laughs> so even though the judge said and th threw the case out because the law says he he does not the, violate the, 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 the statute. He said that it is it doesn't. And it is murky. Quote, it is murky. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's the same feedback I got when I, uh -huh. I asked a firearms expert. Correct. Same thing. Murky. So when it's murky and you're in the court of law, what does law say the benefit of the doubt goes to when go it's murky? Tie goes to the runner, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, yep. it is, it should go to the defense. Yeah. It goes to the defense. So the judge did. Until proven. Fact check! <laughs> he was that's even louder. So that's how this works. Whoever screams yes, the loudest yes, with the most yes. echo. Fact check! <laughs> and they just try to shut you down. Right. And that's, so that's all it is. So the judge wins here. I don't know if anyone knows that. Yeah, know, the judge wins. Fact check! We win! PolitiFact does not beat we win. the judge. We win! That's... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. So fact check. Mm. By the way, the guy who wrote this fact check, you might be interested in knowing uh, that he has written another fact check. USA Today's <laughs> fact check uh, when uh, when Joe Biden was checking his watch all the way, you know, on the on the tarmac when the yeah. oh, how many coffins are coming out of here? Jeez, I got things to do. I've got a I've got a nap. <sighs> the 
The super bird is on special at Denny's at four this afternoon. How many? Well, USA Today was there with Daniel Funk. Fact checker. Daniel Funk is the guy who said, that is not true. So-called checking his watch during the dignified transfer ceremony in honor of the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in a terrorist attack outside the Kabul airport. It's partially false because it occurred only after the ceremony. And I'm a fact checker. Fact check. Fact check. It only happened after the ceremony. He never checked his watch while the coffins were there. Well, then somebody else said, um, hey, dude, uh, here's the videotape. All right. All right. He did check his watch multiple times during the ceremony. But I'm only changing it from partly false to missing context because you didn't know about the super fact check. This is constant with, constant. These, with these fact checkers. They're so bad at this. It's like, just be honest. Okay. It's okay to admit occasionally that someone you don't like is in. No, the it's right. not. No, it's not. Not according to today's journalism rules. Mm. I want to go to Project Veritas. Project Veritas has just released some video from a guy in the newsroom in uh, at the San Antonio CBS television station. If you are in San Diego and you are for all of this bullcrap, you've found your station. But if you live in San Diego and you're San Diego or San Antonio, oh, sorry, 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 I'm so used to California, San Antonio. <laughs> if you're living in San Antonio and you don't have to you don't happen to agree with all this bull crap. Uh, then you need to know the CBS affiliate, what they're being taught. Listen to this. I don't want to destroy the news. I don't want to I don't want anybody to get fired. I want people to change and realize that they are supposed to be objective. I challenge you to stop thinking in terms of objective journalism. Because, and we'll t- discuss why that's not really feasible anymore. I don't really care if people trust us or not. You still got to do your job. So, I mean, that's the least of my concerns, whether they trust me or not. Objectivity and trust are two of the cornerstones of journalism. But inside one of the nation's largest media companies, writers, producers, editors, reporters, and anchors are literally being trained to not be objective. And in the words of that news anchor from Houston, they do not care if they lose your trust. Wouldn't they want to be trusted? To me, that seems like that's part of the job, that you need trust to be able to do your job. Your, tr- your job is to inform. And if you can't trust who you're getting that news from, you're not doing okay, your job. Stop. The, the, the important thing here to me was um, the fact that they're saying it is not feasible anymore to be objective. Why isn't it feasible to be objective? Because that's not the reporter's job anymore, according to their new training. You're not objective. You must see everything through the eyes of the oppressed. And that's the only way to view it. So there are no objective facts. You don't, you don't enter a room neutral. You enter with the eyes of the oppressed. And you look at the news and say, yeah, well, fact check, fact check, you know, is here to, to tell you that that Rittenhouse, he still was with an illegal gun. 
He still was. I know what the law says, and I know that it was murky, and I know that the judge has a right to, and in fact, I know that the judge has to rule on murky things in favor of the defense. But that's not really true. That's not what's really going on. So you're not going to get objective facts. It's not that the, it's not that they even have an agenda, which they do. It's not that they have malice, which they do. They are now being taught that being objective is wrong. So what good is the news? Because if you're coming in it with a certain point of view, I've always hated the reporters uh, who have come in and really pretty much anybody who have come in and made their mind up about me or something that I do and will not even tolerate the answers that don't fit into that narrow narrative. I've seen it. Their eyes glaze over and you just think edit floor, edit floor, edit floor. All of this stuff you're saying edit floor. And then they position questions and answers exactly the way they want them so they can get you because they've already made the decision. They knew the story. They're just getting the scenes they want. Well, that's not fairness. That's not fair. If you haven't gotten yourself a rec tech yet, what are you waiting for? I actually have two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One in my underground lair, just in case they start coming. Oh, yeah. I'll be, gr- I'll be grilling and smoking in the bunker. Anyway, um, you can make great, great food. Um, Rectech, it will grill. It will smoke. It will even bake. It is the best in the grilling game. Smart grill technology. It tracks its own cooking, keeps the heat even all throughout while you're monitoring from an app on your phone or in a device, not missing any of the fun. In other words, Rectech does all the work. You get all the credit. It's fantastic. Fire up the computer or heck, do it from your phone. Order a Rectech for the holidays. No better way to enjoy it. Follow Rectech on social media. Sign up for their newsletter, Rectech with a Q at the end.com. R E C T E Q.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Jedediah Bila is uh, with us. She was on The View yesterday. She was going to do just a, a segment on her uh, on her new book called Dear Hartley. Uh, and in in something that was completely unexpected, I'm sure, to the ladies on The View, she didn't come in. She was she was on remote. And one of the ladies said, gee, Jedediah, we were so looking forward to having you in here. Why aren't you here in the studio? And Jedediah said what? Jedediah. How are you, Glenn? So what I said, I gave my explanation as to why I've opted not to get vaccinated, which is twofold. One is that I have a medical exemption from my vaccinated infectious disease specialist in New York City, who has said, along with the support of three additional doctors, that this just doesn't make sense for me. It's not a good idea for me. There's more risk for me than benefit because coupled with that is my high level natural immunity. 
I had COVID 19 months ago. I've been tracking that immunity with him for a very long time. It's high, it's unwavering, it's multifaceted. I provided lab documentation with my exemption that wasn't good enough, but that's why I've chosen not to get the vaccine. And, you know, I, I, I really went on, you know, just so you know, we, I had done a pre-interview, you know, they were very familiar with how I felt about mandates. I knew that I was going to go there and talk about the book, but I also knew we were going to, you know, supposedly have a conversation about these mandates. <laughs> they don't have so conversations. Would, you know that well, you I used did. to be on The View. I mean, how? I did. Oh, I don't know how you survived. I was saying to myself, well, they know how I feel about this. They're inviting me on. So obviously we're going to talk about it. Obviously, you know, you, you saw how it went down. I was labeled as misinforming the public for really stating CDC facts. Now, I'm no fan of the CDC because I think that they politicized this despicably. We saw that with respect to the teachers unions and how they basically mm-hmm. dictate policy in schools. We've seen that with numerous things, that ridiculous study they put out on natural immunity that made no sense where they cherry pick data and they, they, they basically look at people who are in the hospital with COVID-like symptoms and say that that's supposed to somehow represent the general population. That study that they put out, by the way, has been uh, debunked by at least 16 other studies. I now, I now know of 129 studies that support the existence of natural immunity. And if you don't believe that, you can also look at history because natural immunity is not new. It's been around for hundreds of years. But I basically went on the show and said, look, I don't support mandates regardless, regardless of my personal you know, situation where I have this natural immunity, where I have these medical exemptions. I don't support the mandates because they're not grounded in science. If you are vaccinated, it is a fact that you can still get COVID and you can still transmit COVID. That is on the CDC's own website. The CDC director has come out and said that herself. That is why they brought masking back in for vaccinated people, because they said, "Uh oh, Delta is spreading like wildfire among the vaccinated. You see hundreds of thousands of breakthrough cases around the country. That is not disinformation. Those are facts. So I thought it was really interesting that it was labeled that way. Um, And that's just what you see going around around the country. You're supposed to be able to ask questions when it comes to science. Anyone, anywhere who is preventing people from asking questions, whether it's about their own health or the health of their children, you need to be suspicious of because that is not science. That is propaganda. So, I mean, were you really surprised that they would treat you this way and cut you off? And I mean, because that's that is the way they deal with everyone who disagrees with them. You know, this was an interesting unfolding because I was supposed to host there in October. I had submitted my exemption. It was actually approved at the time. They came to my house. They co-tested me. I was happy to get tested. And then, you know, suddenly the policy changed and it was only vaccinated people were allowed in the building. Mm. So, you know, the the executive producer over there happens to be a really nice guy. Um, He's just a, a pretty decent person and an indecent business, as I always say. But he was communicating with me and saying, we're going to put you onto the book regardless. You know, as I said, I did a pre-interview. So, you know, I have to say, you know, <laughs> some of those people, Sunny was at my wedding. I mean, I, I, I was very surprised in that moment that they wouldn't at least, I mean, the expectation that I would listen to political pundits or Bill de Blasio or Joe Biden about my personal health decisions and not my own doctors, that's kind of fascinating to me and and that admission on air and there was no you know there was no pushback on what i was saying because what were they going to do go against the cdc i was putting out and the reason i cited the cdc is because people on the left cite the cdc all the time so i said okay so 
you love the CDC so much, and I can you know name numerous instances of cases where the CDC just plowed out an 80% mask efficacy tweet. That is utterly ridiculous. Are they talking about N95 masks fitted for doctors and hospitals or a cute little leopard print cloth mask from Etsy that I can buy tomorrow that's fashionable and stylish but does virtually nothing? So let's be honest about the CDC. But I used their data because I know, hey, you guys love the CDC. All right, this is what the CDC is saying. If you can be vaccinated and you can transmit this virus, and we see that happening throughout the country, give me the scientific justification for a mandate. No response, because there is none, Glenn. And the truth is that the reason I go on shows like that, I've, I've always been outnumbered. I've been an, a, a conservative in New York City. You're brave. I, I worked in by the way, you're the first person in this industry that ever hired me. I don't even know if you remember that, but you put me on Real News. Well, I, I knew you my- worked for me. I didn't know you were the first one, uh, that I was the first one to hire you. You were the first person. I, had, I was fresh out of academia. I had taught in a woke, very, very woke private school in New York City for years. By the way, taught through six flu seasons. Never once heard about masking kids, never once heard about mandates on kids. And we know that the flu is more dangerous to the children, to children, not to adults, but to children than COVID-19. So that's been an interesting uh, Mm. experience for me. Uh, But you put me on TV. You were the first one. And I've always been outnumbered. So I'm kind of comfortable in those settings. And I think it's important to go there because the bottom line is I did speak facts. And there are people out there audience members. I'm not going to convince the host. That's not why I'm there. But there are people in the audience that say, well, hold on a second. Let me look that up. Is she right? What? And, and I don't care if it's 1%. I don't care if it's 0.05%. I don't care what it is. This message needs to get out in all mediums because people are losing their jobs. People are having to choose between, well, do I listen to my doctor's advice? Or do I listen to, you know, big corporate media, which oftentimes I feel like is very friendly these days with big pharma and big Hollywood and big tech. All the big seem to be having a blast. And oh, yeah. All right. But um, I think it is important to get the message out there. So and I, listen, hope it was heard. Let me ask you. Let me ask you if you have felt a difference in the country in the last even just the last year where. I mean, it used to feel like we were wildly outnumbered. And, you know, when I started the 912 project, it was like, you're not alone. You're not alone. Majority feels like this. I am starting to feel that even Democrats are starting to go enough is enough. Do you feel that way? I agree. I agree with you. And I'm still in New York City, although I'm going to be moving. Uh, We're looking at properties in Texas because I, I cannot support this madness with my tax dollars anymore. And I have a two-year-old. You know, I wrote this book, Dear Hartley, for my kid, for everyone's kid. We can talk about that in a second. But, you know, I I can't look at my child and and say that it makes sense to raise him in a place where freedom doesn't exist. And you walk into New York City these days, it reads like a bad dystopian novel. So I I do agree that things are changing. And I, I said this from the beginning. They pushed too far with these mandates. Everyone has their line. Some people... You'd be surprised. They said, oh, you know, I'm going to I don't need the vaccination. I have the natural immunity. But for convenience, I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. So they got it. Now now they're coming around the bend and saying, oh, Fauci says, oh, by the way, as you well know, you know, there's more people in the hospital and there's more people dying even that are vaccinated. The the immunity is waning. So you got to get a booster. People are saying, oh, you're going to tell me now I need to get a booster. What, every six months? There are people now that said, "Okay, that's my line. I'm done. Then there's people that would even be willing to do that for themselves 
but they're not willing to do that for their children. Maybe their children had COVID for five minutes and had the sniffles and they're saying, no, this is not necessary. I'm doing my own risk benefit analysis. So I think people are looking at the creeping normality that happens with big government. Big government comes in little by little, as we know, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you have no freedom. I was battling mandates back in the early Obamacare days, on The View, by the way, Mm -hmm. saying that people should not be mandated to have health insurance if they didn't want to. That was like, you know, the big debate of the time. Look at what's happened in such a short period of time. Now, it's not just about mandating that you have health insurance, but they can mandate that you get vaccinated for something that you may not need and your own doctor says is not for you or you can't eat a sandwich in a restaurant in New York City because Bill de Blasio knows more about your health than you do or your doctors do. Give me a break. Is that and so that's changing about, even in New York City? You're feeling that in New York City? Enough is enough? There were a lot of protests in New York City that I saw. There are a lot of people who have picked up and left. There are a lot of people who currently have businesses that are actively looking to relocate. Some have done so already to places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee. I do. I feel it tangibly on the ground that people have had enough. Um, And these businesses don't want to do this. You know, they know that it's not good business to be Mm -hmm. able to They're checking IDs at the door for for COVID vaccination. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately what you're going to have, though, is you're going to have a United States of America that is highly divided. You're going to have states that look nothing like each other because everyone who, who agrees with this type of psychosis is going to flock to places like New York City where people in power will appease them and will say, okay, we'll create a little communist regime here to make you happy. And then the people who want freedom for themselves, their families, their children, and don't want to live under those regulations are going to flock to other places. And these states are going to, I don't know how they're going to coexist. Maybe they never visit each other. Maybe these people grow increasingly distant from each other. Mm -hmm. But real Texas is not going to, I mean, it's already not recognizable, you know, comparable to New York, but I think in the next five years, you're going to see such an enormous disparity. And you see that with the governors. Look at DeSantis standing up and saying, I'm not allowing, you know, the Biden administration to decide that of 100 employees or more. I mean, this is, you realize the insanity of this, Joe Biden coming out? Now Joe Biden knows more about what's good for you and your family at the most fundamental level. Your health, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. Do not give those people, do not give political bureaucrats or corporate bureaucrats that kind of power. It's insanity. Okay. Um, Jedediah, first of all, I hope you move to Texas. And if you do, remember, I, I have the Paramount lot here. Uh, I bought the, the uh, old movie studios. We have plenty of room. We'd love to, uh, love to have you around uh, again. You're, you're fantastic. So move to Dallas. Anyway, uh, beyond that, I, I do want to touch on your book because your book is talking about some of this stuff um, in a, I think, in a really, really good way that, you know, a lot of women... Uh, who are, you know, not caught from our cloth, will understand and wrap their arms around. So in Dear Hartley, uh, some of the things that you write about is, you know, the COVID pandemic and navigating it in New York with a newborn baby, um, uh, masculinity, chivalry, and being a good man, which I think is critical. We are, we are a nation of weak and pathetic men. And that's why we have a weak and pathetic country right now, quite honestly. Um, but you touch on a couple things in several chapters. Um, the strength of empathy 
And another chapter is on humility. Um, why are those so important right now? Yeah, you know, I wrote this book initially, you know, I started during the pandemic. I wrote it for my kid. I had a, I was looking at him. We were spending a lot of time indoors, unfortunately. He wasn't able to socialize as he should have been uh, doing, unfortunately, because everything was shut down in New York City. But I was looking at him. I said, I have so many things to say to him. So it started as letters to him. This has really now become, in many ways, letters for all of us. It's, it's for students. It's for parents, grandparents. It's for anyone who cares deeply about this next generation and what's happening in the world. So some of the things I talk about, you know, I talk about the American dream, Glenn. You know, I grew up in a small condo behind the Staten Island Mall. People used to joke, oh, you grew up behind the Staten Island Duff. It was true. That's where I grew up. You know, my parents had to work really hard to pay off that mortgage, but I somehow landed on television. So I wanted my child to know the value of growing up in a country like this, of opportunity, of what that means, of what he's capable of. Uh, I talk a lot about practical skills and how being, you know, I went to Columbia University and I graduated. I had this fancy degree. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't know how to do anything. And all these people around the country, and I have a friend in Texas who, you know, homeschools this little girl and works on a farm. And part of her homeschooling is learning all of that. And she knows how to defend herself. And I said, you know what? I would trade in my AP calculus for those skills any day of the week. So I wanted him to understand what that means, you know, the sense of self-reliance that comes from that and self-empowerment. Um, you know, we talk about empathy, we talk about character. One of the chapters is you, the architect, which really links into a lot of what's going on in the world now. And it's about being the architect of your own life. And you have the ability to determine what you want your future to look like in so many ways. And, you know, I, I struggled with Lyme disease a few years ago. I had mm. my own health journey. And what was key to that was me believing, you know what? I'm empowered to fix this, and I'm going to seek out doctors that I feel supported by, and I'm going to get into a health regimen. So I don't want a child that feels powerless. I want a child that has the courage of his convictions, that can walk into a room full of people that disagree with him and speak his mind. You know, I get into diversity of thought in the book and education and what that should look like, and I never want him to cower in a system that has decided what he should think instead of enable him, enabling him to think. Um, and I talk about character. I talk about, you know, empathy. This past year was hard for a lot of people. People lost loved ones as a result of COVID. People lost businesses. They worked their whole lives to set up a business and, and they lose it because of lockdowns. You know, right. people had to lose income. I mean, this is a book for everyone. This is a book that everyone will relate to. And it's about the values that you want to preserve for yourself and for your next for, for the next generation. The name of the book is Dear Hartley. Jedediah, it is great to talk to you again and uh, great to see that you're doing well. God bless. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Dear Hartley, available uh, in bookstores everywhere. The best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to give you the truth about something you already know, but no one will no one will ever report on this because it goes against the narrative. You know inflation is bad. You know that we are paying higher prices for almost everything. Um, when it comes to gasoline, it was reported this morning, $600 million a day extra at the gas pump. That's what we spend Every day, $600 million more for our gasoline. And this is all caused intentionally uh, 
by the Biden administration. They are the ones that are controlling supply. Um, it's a centralized planned economy as much as they can get it. Um, the one thing that the Fed and, the, and Biden and everybody is saying that they're going to fix the economy. Uh, and it's really the it's really these workers that just won't go to work. They're not really even saying that, but that is partly true. Um, and as soon as we get people to not be afraid of covid, they can all go back to work and then everything's going to be fine. And the, the inflation is transitory. That's bullcrap. Wages are up 4.6% from this point last year. Okay? So if you're going to work, your wages may have gone up by 4.6%. However, the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Expenditure Survey found that housing, which accounts for one-third of the average household's budget, one-third, is up 20% from last year. Transportation, your fuel, is up 60%. Now, that's no small thing with the average household spending 16% of its budget on transportation. So, already 16% of your budget is, go is gone, and fuel is up 60%, and your home is up 20%. Food, which makes up 13% of the average family budget, is up 5.3. Personal insurance and health care easily eat up nearly a fifth of household budget. They are up 8%. Clothing is up 3.1. The average budget, uh, 4.3. All in all, this means that the most necessary 85% of the average family household budget has costs 21.7% more than last year. And 62% of that budget goes to food, shelter, and transportation, and that is 27% higher. I don't think your 4.6 uh, increase of your paycheck covers a 27% increase on the things that make up the majority of your budget, do you? And we haven't really seen real inflation yet um craft kellogg frito-lay goya has said they have to increase the prices of their products craft says they're going to increase by 20 percent all of the craft products good thing we don't buy a lot of stuff from craft huh i have a friend who's been on the uh, program before um it's uh, Bob Unanway. He is the president and CEO of Goya Foods. This is a guy who worked the production line. He drove the trucks. He's now the president and CEO and uh, has made Goya into a self-sustaining uh, company by opening up a steel cutting factory for the cans and they print their own labels and everything else. Bob, tell me about the reality of your business and what's happening. Well, great to hear from you, Glenn, and great to uh, talk with you after uh, being with you this summer yeah. with, with Tim Ballard uh, in Utah. Yeah. It was a great, um, you know, we, from day one, Glenn, we've been working. We never stop working. Uh, the problem is we're like a modern-day prodigal children out on a spending spree. We're being thrown all this money, incentivized to stay home, not to work. We need a reason to get up in the morning. God, family, 
work school to taking away our spirit where it's gluttony it's gluttony and the 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 highest costs are coming from asia because we want everything and everything that's coming in from asia the, the roadblocks uh the log jams at the ports in in long beach are because we we're buying so much we're not we're producing less here uh when we were uh talking out in utah 150 billion dollars is the uh amount the industry of child and human trafficking <clears throat> that number recently uh swelled i believe to 200 billion you know but when you're talking trillions that's not a big deal but we have we're the biggest consumers of goods, we're the biggest consumers of traffic, we're the biggest consumer of drugs. And so, you know, there's a saying, you know, by the, which is disputed by, by the person that built Dubai who said, my grandfather rode a camel, my dad rode a camel, I drive a Mercedes, my son drives a Mercedes, my grandson will ride a Range Rover, but my great-grandson, excuse me, will ride a camel, why? Mm -hmm. Because hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create um, soft men. Hard times. Yeah. Soft men and soft men create hard times. Yeah. And we need to create warriors, not parasites. But we are becoming parasites. You know, part of our day, a lot of the people in this country don't pay taxes. We're working every day for other people not to work. You know, we've become, like Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, what you can do for your country. we got to get up every day and work. We're working for people not to work. This is crazy. We, these are easy times, and this is not going to last. We're going to be like the prodigal sons coming home mm -hmm. on, on their hands and knees, begging to be brought back in. It, this country cannot sustain itself this way. It amazes me, Bob. Are you having a problem at Goya with getting enough workers? Yes, yes, uh, and everybody is, you know, we, we were running extra shifts because of demand. We've had to cut down to, uh, you know, single shifts, longer hours, do more with less. You know, our, our uh, wages went up uh, close to 70% from uh, uh, two cow. years ago. So because people aren't, uh, you know, they're not, they're not working. You've got to compete with the government that's throwing money at people to stay home. But what good is it when you, when you stay home and do nothing? You are taking away our, a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to live, to work, to, to produce. So, Bob, I have, I have read that there is going to be a shortage of aluminum cans because aluminum will be hard to find. You started, when you took over Goya, one of the things you did was you, you made yourself kind of independent. You make your own cans and everything else. Is there going to be a can shortage? Or is that... Yeah, well, there's a shortage of everything. You know, uh, it's, it's steel. Uh, we, do a lot, we do steel cans with the, uh, tin coatings. Uh, but there's shortages of, of crowns for, for bottles. There's shortages of glass. There's shortages of lumber. I figured out the why there's shortage of lumber, and that's because they're printing so much darn money <laughs> using all the wood for for paper. <laughs> but you know, housing costs, all these construction costs, you can't get things, and you know, our demand locally 
is is there's inflation there, but the big inflation is coming from products that we're importing from overseas, and just we can't be satisfied enough. The gluttony is too much. We need things, but we, we you, you know you go out to eat, you go out to the stores. There's help wanted signs all over the Everywhere. place. In the beginning, you know, last year during COVID, we were working. We didn't have the problem. The problem occurred when all these this money flew out, you know, to mm-hmm. to everybody and say, "Don't worry about going to work. Just stay home and and relax." But you know, I worked the production line when I was ten years old, and a minute seemed like an hour. And if you put a kid and you sit him at home, you know, like they say, the, the idle mind is a devil's workshop. You can do no good if you don't have a purpose to get up every day. And it is amazing how you can write your own uh, ticket at this point. My son just started working at Pizza Hut, and he, he in one night made $95 in tips, in tips at a Pizza Hut. It was, it's crazy. And I, I told him, I said, son, you know, if you work hard, you could be running it in a year or two because people are not coming to work. And when they do, they're not necessarily, you know, the hardest workers, hardworking people. Now is their time, especially for youth. And they have to work hard because they're usually the only people in the place. You know, uh, if you usually have a staff of 20, it's, it's five or, or six. Yeah, well, th- so that, they've, they've got to do yeah. more with less. Yeah. Um, Bob, is there any doubt in your mind? Is this is this inflation that we're seeing? Is this transitory? Is this just going to cure itself? You know, th- th- this is uh you know, it, this is, we're moving away from God. We're we're not we're throwing money at more and more people. Don't pay taxes. When I when I got out of college, I made four bucks an hour, and I made eight thousand a year, and I paid taxes. I don't care how much you make. If you you got it, we have to produce. We have to pay taxes. If we don't, if we keep raising the bar they say tax the rich but people who are working are being taxed and the people who are not working are getting the benefit of that as long as that persists as, as our modus operandi the, the this is 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 not just inflation it's the dismantling the destruction of our nation you're exactly right bob thank you for everything that you do president and ceo of goya foods um it's uh, uh robert or bob unanway uh, from Goya. Thank you, as always, Bob, for everything that you do. That guy is really involved in charity as well. He's a great guy. Da, da, da.